Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, Jim Nance, thanks as always for the introduction there. And we've got this week, we've got two-time back-to-back defending champion of the Valspark Championship, Paul Casey, on the podcast. And it's so rare to see somebody went back-to-back, especially in that tournament. It had not happened until 2019 when he did that. Uh, but Casey, what an amazing display of who he beat in 2018. Think about the field. Tiger Woods was right there in the mix in one of the later groups. Uh, Patrick Reed, he beat by one shot. And Reed has been very successful at that tournament and he was on a good run there and then also um justin rose was in the final pairing and he was on fire that week as well in 2018 so a strong field he beat there Roy mcelroy in the field as well 2019 he's paired with he's trying to defend his title um he had won two pj tour events at that point but trying to defend he's paired with world number one dustin johnson who had won in saudi arabia the month before this is in 2019 and then won wgc mexico and was on a, a burner. He would go on a second place at the Masters, of course, in April. So listen, DJ was on fire, but he found a way to beat Dustin and beat a strong field with Bubba Watson there in the mix late, Jason Kokrak. So the, the, the strength of field that he's beaten has been pretty impressive for Paul Casey. So here he goes. He's going to go for three in a row this week at the Valspar Championship, see if he gets it done. He's a three-time winner on the PGA Tour, and just amazing that he got the first win, and then nine years later in 2018, gets his second Tour win at Valspar, and then backs it up with his third win just 12 months later. So this guy, what I love so much about Paul is you see him at the Masters. Remember in November, he was the first-round leader, and just how much it means to him. He's 43 now, so he's a lot more reflective um, and in a stage of his career, and it's just amazing. Like he was talking about, wow, like going into this with COVID, I told uh, my kids like no play dates. You know, we can't have you guys going out hanging out with with the kids because Dad's got to go to the Masters next week, and it's just a, such a big deal. And you could see how much it meant to him as he was describing that uh, to the media after his, you know, being the first round leader there in Augusta National at the clubhouse there. So. I just really like how relatable he is. There's some great stories. I've got a story here with Paul, um, interaction I had with him at the Valspar Championship 2019. I'll share with you at the end of this pod. But before we get to that, just want to talk about Casey. This is Off the Course with Paul Casey. And this is actually an interview from 2016 at the U.S. Open at Oakmont. Very, very relatable stuff. And this is, as I said, off the course. This is talking about memories growing up with his brother, watching Wimbledon, watching the Tour de France, and so many other cool things. Uh, what are some of the people he looked up to growing up? Uh, nicknames he had growing up. Just a lot of this kind of get-to-know-you content with Paul Casey, Valspar champion the last two years and just a lot of cool stuff so hang in for that before we get to that encore golf award-winning two-time golf digest hot list gold winner check out the elixir golf ball 29.99 for a dozen online on encoregolf.com if you put in my promo code beyond the clubhouse b the letter b clubhouse you get 10 percent off 
on this golf ball. Um, high density particles they have in the mantle. Pioneering perimeter weighted design of the Elixir delivers incredible velocity, accuracy, and distance off the tee. Check them out also on social media at Encore Golf. All right, let's get to it here. Paul Casey on Beyond the Clubhouse. And just for clarity, the first question here I had asked him, what is his favorite TV show? What was his favorite TV show growing up as a kid in England? Um, I mean, the A-Team is pretty cool. Um, A-Team, Chips. Um, oh, man. The Professionals was another one. That was like... That was like the UK's version of, I don't know what that's the UK's version of. Professional's really cool, it's like police kind of, you know, they go sliding across the hood of the car type thing, you know. Um, anything with shooting. Mm, action then, huh? Action, explosions, that's why the A-Team was so cool. What's your earliest, I'm with you, what's your earliest memory growing up that stands out as not even golf related, just uh, as a kid, youth. Um, just, you know, happy youth, a lot of sports, um, fighting with my brother. Um, over girls or over just. No, just fighting in general. Older brother, so. Older brothers are always annoying when you're young. He would build the Lego and I would destroy it. That was kind of the common theme. He's smarter than I am. Um, but I have the athletic kind of gene, so there was always that. I didn't like his smarts, and he probably didn't like my ability to play sports well. So, um, no, good, good memories. Um, yeah, largest kicking the football around, or if Wimbledon was on TV, a tennis racket would come out, hitting tennis balls against the back of the brick wall, against the back of the garage. Um, Tour de France was on, you need to get the bicycle and the cycle around the block like you're in Tour de France. I mean, any of didn't matter. Just emulate whatever I saw in sports, that's what I remember. I do remember digging up, remember reading an article once in a golf magazine? Um, I have no idea which publication it was, but it was how, way back when I was a kid, it was like how golf greens were built, like USGA, whatever the thing was when yeah, I was a proper. kid. This yeah. is how a USGA regulation green is, you know, you got... <laughs> going 18 inches down you got you know you got gravel and then you got drainage and then you got gravel and you got your you know the sand and then you've got all the way up to the top of the surface so and I said to my dad can I build a green in the back garden while he was watching sport on TV at the weekend just sitting there on the couch um, and it was like yeah sure so about an hour later my mum looked outside and I dug, a, I dug a hole about sort of six feet by six feet and about 12 inches down. They freaked out, what the, what the hell are you doing? So, so I didn't get to build a green in the back garden. You, you were how old at this Oh, I have no idea. This is, I mean, I wasn't that young. I was, I was probably like 10 or something like that. But. You gotta do what you gotta do, right? Exactly. Stuff like that. What about your first job growing up? Paper round? Everybody had a paper round. Um, God, it was rubbish. So badly paid. For seriously hard, what felt like seriously hard labour at the time, lugging around heavy papers, sticking them through mailboxes. I mean, it's just it's pretty crap, really. Not only that, you had to they deliver them, and you had to pre you had to stuff the papers with all the flyers and all the all the junk. That was just crap. I did it. I never bailed on it, but. It's rubbish.
Did not, didn't instill a good work ethic in me, I think. That's <laughs> tough. What about your first car growing up? I had to share it. My brother had a Skoda as his first car. If you know, if it's a unknown over here but Skoda is like the worst vehicle oh on the planet um, you just go, just google Skoda and go, google Skoda because Skoda is now owned by the Volkswagen group but back then it wasn't it was just it's just awful East European just nastiness um, rust box death box coffin uh, that was my brother's first car I never got to drive that and when we had to share a car it was a Citroen AX one liter engine, so uber powerful. It was called a Splash. Um, that was like the limited edition, and it was just again, it was just a tin can <laughs> on wheels. Two do two doors. It's awful. I tried to share that with my brother. It wouldn't do more than 75, 80 miles an hour downhill. Oh, it's terrible. Downhill. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> The brake seized on it. I remember driving with my mum one day, and um, oh no, I think she drove it. And she goes, oh, "The car's awful. The car pulls to the right, which is very dangerous because you're left-hand side of the road. So yeah, on yeah. a two-lane road, it pulls to the right. You're going into the oncoming traffic." And my brother and I, like, "Yeah, yeah, we know. It's been doing that for six months, you know." And um, <laughs> so when we hit, when we hit the brakes hard, we just steer left keep the car straight so it wouldn't pull to the right and we found out that the brakes had actually seized on the right uh, seized on the left hand side so technically you've got no brakes on the left wheel so when you hit the brakes it would just stop the right wheel and pull hard to the right but these are things you just don't care when you're a kid you just deal yeah. with it live and learn right <laughs> it was shit <laughs> <laughs> well here you go who would play you in a movie Matt Damon who? Matt Damon yeah I've been told Matt Damon looks like me, or I look like Matt Damon, whichever way you want to put it. Mm. And you're okay with that? Fine, I think he's, yeah. <laughs> I think he's a good actor. I like his stuff. He brings to the table, huh? I look like Jason Bourne in my IDs. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> my passport photo looks like Jason Bourne. <laughs> hey, there's worse people to look like. <laughs> Correct, yes. What about your nickname in school, in grade school growing up? What kind of nicknames did you get? Um... We weren't very creative when I was... What's grade school? How old's that? Uh, grade school's like from from first until about sixth grade. Oh, when we were, yeah, we didn't... I don't think we had many nicknames. Um, I didn't really get a nickname until I was playing amateur golf. And Justin Rose to this day still calls me Spaceman. Spaceman. <laughs> Spacey Casey. Um, you'd have to ask him where that came from, but um, yeah, I was just known as Spaceman by a whole bunch of guys. And there's still a few. David Clark, who occasionally caddies, <laughs> very occasionally it seems nowadays, used to caddy for me, now caddies for Adam Scott um, when Stevie's not around. Justin Rose still calls me that. Um, the guys I played Walker Cup with, you know, Simon Dyson, Graham Storm, guys like that, they all called me that. Spacey Casey. So it never, it never sort of made it out on tour, but Spacey Casey or Spaceman. The funny thing about about life in general, what what scares you about life as a whole? Um, Fears. I know you have not a lot. Yep, the young one now. More thing. Yeah, more. You know, the world that uh, Lex is going to grow up in is probably the biggest thing for me. Hmm. There's not a lot that scares me. I'm a little bit claustrophobic, so. You know, when the lift doors don't open very quickly, that scares me a little bit. But that's not really exactly a big fear, is it? I'll figure out. I'll get. I'll get out eventually. Um, being buried alive probably wouldn't be good for me. Um, and you couldn't move, right? Uh, like, yeah, that's, that, that scene in Kill Bill is just not great. No, it's just not good. I can't watch that. Um, yeah, more. It's not so much me. It's it's 
Lex and hope he's happy and he's healthy and he has a bring him up in a loving, safe environment. And uh, you know, you, you see the, part of the problem is the world's always been a bit ugly, but you 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 witness it more now because of um, because of media. Everything's immediate, so you see what's going on a lot of the time, and that that that. Um, insular environment maybe we had growing up as a kid was beneficial because it's not quite as scary um, yeah. and breaking news was something serious you know the Berlin Wall coming down or something like that it was serious breaking news whereas now everything's breaking news and it's a disaster every day it seems happening now as they yeah. say you know what you just saw in Orlando or that's that's the stuff that scares me yeah got a couple more quick ones. The most expensive or extravagant purchase you've made uh, since you've been... Uh, My first special. wife. There you go. Understandable. <laughs> <laughs> Women. Uh, understand. Sorry, what was the question? Most expensive since... Most uh, extravagant gift or thing that you've bought since you've been professional. <laughs> yeah, we should... <laughs> you can put that in parentheses if you want. Uh, my first marriage. Um, house is always the most expensive thing. But then you've got to live in a house, so that's not really um, extravagant. No, and my, and my house is very nice, but it's not. Yeah, I, I try not to <coughs> try to live beyond my means. Um, nothing crazy. I don't have Ferraris at home, and don't have. Uh, um, I've probably bought too much artwork, but <coughs> sorry, I don't live crazy. I mean. Probably the price of some of the bicycles would scare some of the people that I've bought. <laughs> that aren't cyclists, huh? Yeah. Uh, you know. Top-level Schwinn's or...? Uh, no, top-level Pinarellos. Oh, mm. Sort of the stuff the guys ride in the Tour de France. You know, it's easy. It's pretty pretty easy to drop $16,000 on a bicycle. It's yeah. a lot of money. But for you... For a bicycle. But it's part of your passion, though, right? I mean, yeah, it's like part of my passion. So, again, I don't look at it as a... And I don't necessarily buy one every year, so sometimes it's every other year, so it's not. Yeah. You know, I've had nice cars, bought too many watches, bought too much artwork, but I'm pretty sensible now. I'm trying to save it now. <laughs> the most expensive thing is probably going to be my son. Oh, no. <laughs> when it's all College said, no. fees. <laughs> yes. And then... He's going to chew a million dollars, isn't he? I mean, oh. he's just going to... Doesn't... It's inevitable, right? It's a... Yeah. <laughs> And the last question, when you were a youngster growing up, who did, who did you admire and look up to? Um, maybe um, outside of golf, just more in the real world or, or in other, other sports, if you will. There was um, a couple of athletes. It was always athletes who I looked up to. Um, it would be Ian Botham, or Sir Ian Botham. Uh, cricket, one of England's best ever cricketers he was an all-rounder beefy was his nickname still around he loves golf play golf with him lovely guy um, raises a ton of money for charity as well in the UK he was just he was famous for sort of sticking it to the Aussies and the way he played he was he was an all-rounder he wasn't he didn't necessarily play with finesse but it was just this tenacious sort of competitiveness that he had he was just brilliant um, fearless he would be one. Guys who were just brilliant what they did. Daley Thompson was a decathlete. Mm. Um, again, one of the great, I think one of the greatest athletes 
Britain's ever produced or England's ever produced. I love my motorsports for guys like Nigel Mansell, just have big coconuts. <laughs> he was world champion, raced for, raced for teams like Williams and then he raced for Ferrari. It takes a lot to, the, to impress the Italians as well, and the Italians loved him. So he knew he was fearless. I've got, I've got to meet me. He's a keen golfer as well. He raced IndyCar. Mm. He's just an absolute nutter. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of, so, you know, those three stand out. Because they were not only the best at their chosen sport, but they did it with a, uh, it's just, this fearlessness that, uh, you know, sometimes Brits are seen as this sort of, um, you know, I'm, oh, I'm terribly sorry, you know, I don't mean to beat you, you know, sort of proper politeness. And these guys would be just graceful in everything they did, but they just had that, that special something that I thought was very cool as a kid watching them. Absolutely. I appreciate your time, buddy. Thanks, Paul. No worries. Cheers, man. The A-team. <laughs> That's right. A-team, yeah. All right, Paul Casey there on Beyond the Clubhouse. I love that interview. I love how uh, just laid back he was, and then talking about the A Team and some of his favorite, some of his favorite shows growing up, some of his memories growing up. Of course, watching Wimbledon, pulling out the tennis rackets, hitting them against the garage, uh, the brick wall in the garage, uh, growing up in England with his brother. I love uh, some of those sentimental memories there from Paul Casey. A memory I have with Paul is actually 2019 at Valspar Championship. At that point, he had won it the year before, and it was after the first round. And Dustin Johnson was on the podium um, after the first round, and Paul was waiting to get on the podium. So it was a quiet moment, and I just went up to him and said, Hey, Paul, this will just want to chat with you for a minute, uh, just about how you played today. And he's like, Sure, sure, let's chat. So we chatted for about 10 seconds, and we got interrupted because it was his turn to uh, go up to the podium himself. So what's interesting about that is about 10 minutes later, as he's walking toward, I think it was player hospitality or heading towards lunch, I'm looking down at my voice recorder. I'm kind of in that area, and I hear this voice like, hey, Garrett, Garrett, we, we need to talk. We need to talk. And I look up, and it's Paul Casey there with his manager, Carlos Rodriguez. And he remembered. He said, hey, listen, uh, we didn't get to end up talking uh, as you had asked there after the first round. So I said, okay, cool, cool. So this was like, as I said, 10 minutes later. And it was very awesome that he remembered that. I thought it was polite of him to do that. So we ended up chatting there for a few minutes about, of course, his first round and what he'd been working on at that moment. So, hey, it said a lot about the guy. I think I think Paul is one of the nice guys on tour. Very giddy, very excitable, as you probably see in interviews. Uh, that's just who he is. Um, just a good bloke. Uh, Paul Casey. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed it this week. Of course, you're going to see a lot of um, audiograms on Twitter, at Johnston Garrett, as well as at Beyond the Clubhouse. And then same with Instagram, at Garrett Johnston Golf and at Beyond the Clubhouse Podcast. Any guest ideas, send them my way. Tweet them towards me, and, and we'll see what we can get to here in these next couple weeks. Hope you enjoyed it here on Beyond the Clubhouse.